Hello, hello, my name is Keisha Chung. And my name is Muna Traore, and welcome to the Collective Culture Creative Conversations podcast. Where we chat with different BIPOC creatives and community leaders we love and admire. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Oh yeah, that was a Mace song, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh no, I definitely did that part wrong. <laughs> but I know there's a good beat drop after that. So um hi everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Um what are this is gonna be October. Oh my gosh. It's like fall. It's it's chilly outside now. So um we hope you're bundled up in your cute fall attire. I hope that I am. You are? You know what, Keisha? I keep on falling in and out out of of love with with you. Okay, the people didn't pay for this. (laughs) People don't want this. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just in a chipper mood today. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of really great things to chat about today. Um, we have an amazing guest who we'll announce in a moment. Um, we do. But before we get into that, Muna, how you doing? Checking in. How you doing? I'm doing better. You know, I've had like a shitstorm of a life the past like five months. Um, and, you know, there are people in my family who have passed away, people dealing with medical issues. So, um, you know, it's very normal for me to be depressed and I've definitely been grieving and feeling really sad a lot but I've been having better days and feeling more chipper I'm lucky I've had a lot of people who check in on me and sort of make sure that um, I'm steady and I have a great therapist so yeah but um yeah, things are looking up a bit. I'm done filming. I'm back in Ontario for a bit. Um, I get to go to France for work for a bit, and then I'm going back to Los Angeles. So I'm I'm excited to just be chilling and seeing a bit of the world again. Amazing. Well, I'm glad that things are looking up, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very excited that you get to go travel. When are you? Do you know how soon? Like, uh, I go to. France in a bit more than a week. Oh, amazing! That's so soon. Yeah, I guess I didn't tell you that, but um, no. yeah, it's awesome. So I, I'm really excited for that, and um, yeah, and then I'll come back for a few days, and then I'll go to LA. Wonderful! I love that. Love that people can kind of find. So I love that people can finally move around. So I was trying to say, <laughs> finally yeah. take trips. I have to get a French vaccine passport. Like, there's all kinds of things that you have to go through like different protocols yeah so I have to basically submit my plane ticket and all of my documents and get a French version of the vaccine passport in order to be able to move around France um Mm. I I and I I don't know what it's like in the rest of the EU if it's like country specific or it's Mm. it works for everywhere in the EU so yeah we'll see we shall see we shall see and what about you Keisha how you doing oh girl I'm I'm great I'm doing really well. Um, I went on a trip a few weeks ago, which was very fun. I got to see some. It looked of my like friends. fun. I was yes. so jealous. <laughs> it was really fun. I got to see some of my friends in New York. I got to go to LA, which was cool. Um, and then I I got a tattoo, which was very fun. You did. Um, oh, I did. You did. Um, How did it feel? Honestly. It was it was like an hour and a half and it hurt, but um it was not it was like worth it. Like I was really happy. I knew I, I haven't because of like modeling, like you know, I know when you and I both started modeling, like tattoos were not something that you could have. Like it wasn't cool. They didn't like it. So in high school when all my friends were getting tattoos, I couldn't do it. And then over the years I'd like planned out things I want really specifically. So it felt really good to like finally be in a place in my life where one I can get something like this and like I don't know I just feel very I guess before too it was like I wasn't confident enough to pick something that I would want on my body forever so the fact that I'm like at that point in my life now where I'm like no like this is something I want and I'm really happy with it it's very nice it like represents a lot to me so I'm, I'm really happy about did it. you design it yourself 
I designed it in collaboration with the tattoo artist. So like it's based off of an image that I saw and then we just added more to it. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was a fun process too. And like, you know, shout out Autumn. Like it was a great, great time. Amazing. I loved it. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. And then um, recently my first short film came out. So great area. Yeah. That's been a thing. This has been such a like process. Um, so my film premiered, at Montreal International Black Film Festival. Uh, by the time congratulations, by the way, thank you very much. Um, by the time this is out, it won't be playing there anymore. But in November, we're going to be playing. At, sorry, in October, we're going to be playing at Cinefam and Real World Film Festival. So it's very, it's a lot. Like it's very like I've been working on this project for a really long time, and um, to kind of have it out in the world now is like a little bit surreal, but it's been a really fun process, and I'm just so proud of the team and everybody that helped bring it to life. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been what's going on in my world. It's been a lot, <laughs> a lot of like moving and just like, you know, trying new things for the first time and um, doing film festivals. Like it's just a lot of work, but I'm so happy and just like really grateful that I'm at this point in my life now. So. But you're built for it. You are like built for being booked and busy. Yeah, I like I like it. Like I definitely I I thrive when I have a lot of stuff to do. I've just never been this busy at such high stakes. You know, like even my job, like it's just a lot. It's it's great. And it's just it's a new level for me. Like I feel like I've kind of leveled up in my career and in my life. And I'm just like I'm loving it. I'm just I'm in it. Look you know, I'm tired, her. but I'm in it. <laughs> A boss bitch. But I had a professor who once said to me, enjoy the buffet. And it sounds like you're truly doing that. Like you over the years have had so many different jobs and so many different um, creative sectors. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, five, 10 years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to have all these skills and all these experiences that make you such a unique asset in whatever position you're going to find yourself in. So good for you. building growing thank you yeah it's it's um it's exciting it's very exciting it's it's cool and I know like seeing the fruits of your labor kind of come to fruition is like there's nothing like it you know so Mm. very grateful very very grateful um but I'd love to hear what's feeding you right now what are you listening to what are you watching what are you engaging with I'm very much in this like weird middle space where it's hard for me to focus on anything in particular that I'm reading. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading this Octavia E. Butler book, Seeds to Harvest. Mm -hmm. um, And it's been taking me a while to read it just because I've had so many distractions, but I'm looking forward to really digging into a lot of self-help books. I've started um, Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov, which is like one of Oprah's favorite books. And so many people have recommended this book. So I'm finally reading it, but I'm sort of like just taking my time with it and taking notes. Um, And I have been, you know, watching a bit of TV here and there. I binge watched Love on the Spectrum which is a reality show about people on the autism spectrum trying to find love. Oh wow, it's that so good. heartwarming. It's it's on Netflix. It's super sweet. It's it like makes you believe in humanity all over again. Oh, I love um, it was wonderful. And then I've like rewatched movies that like are comforting because I've obviously been a bit depressed. So not a bit, a lot depressed. Mm-hmm. Um. So watching things that are familiar and remind me of like good times or whatever has been nice. So last night I rewatched Jurassic Park, which is one of my favorite movies. Jeff Goldblum is Bay. I love him <laughs> so much. I find him so sexy. His Ugh. little black outfit. Girl, Ugh. he you don't have to like him. Ugh. That's fine. More for me. Um and um, and then I've, re- I've recently rewatched all the Austin Powers movies, which was so much fun. <laughs> I haven't laughed like that in so long. So um, it's been pretty chill over here. That's great. It's when I went to um, L.A., we went to um, the what is it? The, the park, the park, the Warner Brothers Universal Studios. Universal, what did I call it? Warner Brothers? God, Keisha. Universal Studios Park. And the Jurassic ride was very cool. That was very fun. Have you been there? 
No, it's so funny. I've spent so much time in LA and I've never done any of like the LA stuff. I've never gone to Disneyland. I've never done the Universal Studios thing. I've never even gone to see Dr. Phil. Never. <laughs> I I went when we went to the um Harry Potter world, like Hogs. I was free I was literally free. I was like screaming. I was like, "Oh my god!" cuz the, the and the ride, oh, it's so cool. So like they take you in, you like go in this like kind of, it's like a roller coaster cart. And then you get to like virtually fly through Hogwarts and like do this mission with like Harry and Hermione. And they're like, come on, let's go. And you're like flying through the castle and like, you have to like fight Dementors. It's so freaking cool. But the best one was the Transformers one. That one was sick. Like you literally felt like you were in the movie. It was so cool. So if you get a chance to do that, you really should. It's really fun. The, but yeah, the, my whole point was maybe- the Jurassic Park one was cool. Yeah, maybe I'll go one day. Um, it's, fine. it's a little bit expensive, but it's still fine. It's worth it. You should do it like when you have, like, if your family comes to visit you or something and you guys want to do something for the day, you know what I mean? Like, make a day of it rather than just going, like, on your own. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I guess there's so much stuff to do in L.A. that I never even get to the sort of, like, touristy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's feeding you? What are you consuming? What's uh, nourishing your mind and your heart? So when I was in America, um, I, my friend Zena, shout out Zena, hi Zena, she introduced me to this amazing show called Full Bloom, and it is a floral competition show. And I was, it was, it was amazing. Like I was so invested. So essentially it's like, I don't know if anybody watches the great Canadian baking show. It's like that, but for florists. So they give them challenges every week. They have like the group challenges and they have individual challenges. And like an example of a very cool one is they have to take a painting and then make a like, like at least like 10 foot, 15 foot version of it with flowers. Wow. So it, and it's like, it's just so cool. It was so creative. It was so like inspiring. And just to see the different styles of floral like work that can come, like, it was just so cool. I literally binged two seasons of it in about like a day. Like I did work and then watched it. So that was incredible. I'm not like a huge reality TV show person, but I love a good competition show. So it tickled mm-hmm. my fancy. It was great. And then, um, I've also been rewatching Parks and Recreation. I think I talked about that last month. I'm like near the end of the like series. So it kind of sucks at this point. Like they should have ended the show like two seasons ago, but I have to finish it because I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have been listening to this amazing audio book. Well, um, it's a book book, but I got the audio version called Sex at Dawn. Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I have. I've actually read the book. Oh, okay. We have to talk about it like when I finish, but it's incredible. It pretty much talks about the origins of human sexuality and it challenges the notion that humans are inherently monogamous and that the nuclear family is something inherent to us as a species. So it talks about how agriculture played a really big role in determining the way that specifically female sexuality became very controlled and this idea of the nuclear family evolved essentially from agriculture and once humans were able to own property they men particularly want to know the fertility of the baby sorry not fertility, the the paternity the, what's the word i'm looking for yeah the paternity paternity of the baby because they wanted to make sure that they could pass on property and land and that's when this whole notion of you know women should only be with this person and da 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 all that started so it's very very interesting and I've been really I love that book I actually I quote it a lot when I'm trying to explain my perspective on dating and monogamy and polyamory to people so it's a really good book to reference definitely highlight yeah it's 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 very interesting yeah it's very interesting too because it's like I've you know like my feelings about we've had these conversations about like monogamy and and stuff like that before but um I've always thought that it was odd that we are taught that that's like the only way that we should exist at that, that that's the default. It never made sense to me. And this book really validates that feeling I've had for a long time. So I'm learning a lot of different concepts that can help contribute to, you know, me continuing to challenge that ideology and also understanding the origins of like sexism and stuff like that. It, it gives a really good background and a good backdrop for that. So I'm really enjoying it. And it's nice to do that. To, like the book is very academic so as you know, so it's nice to kind of have somebody read it to you instead of like constantly stumbling on half the words that they're reading. You're like, I would not have been able to understand this. But, well, I wouldn't, but you know, you'd have to be like Googling shit and like, you know, so yeah. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. I think those are all the things that I've been kind of 
in ingesting and enjoying it. Also, oh my God, the boundaries book. Have you heard of the boundaries book? I know that's so broad. I'm going to bring it up on my phone. I feel like no, you'd enjoy it. Is um, it about personal boundaries? It's just about boundaries in general, like personal boundaries. Um, it's called set boundaries, find peace. Have you heard of this book? Uh, 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 I need that. Oh my God. Like that. it. So this is the cover of it. Can you see? Oh, that's cute. I love yeah. That. Like, and it's nice to like, I listened to it while I was like on the plane. It's great. I think it's like a nice thing. You can just kind of, it, it gives you language, you know, it gives you language for things that you feel and, um, it's, it's good. I would recommend it. So I love tools. I love having tools for my tool belt. So that's definitely a book I will add to my list. Yeah. But, um, I actually forgot something that I watched that I think I should mention. Yeah, do it. I binge watched all four seasons of a show called Search Party. It's on, it was originally, I think, on TNT or something like that, and then moved to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars Aaliyah Shawkat and um, a bunch of other people. And basically, it's about this group of friends in New York City, and one of their old college friends goes missing, and they all sort of start a search party for her. Mm-hmm. But it is, absolutely hilarious it's one of the funniest shows i've watched in a long time and um it really sort of inspired me and lifted my spirits um over the last couple weeks just Mm -hmm. because it was just just something i i don't know why i just never expected to enjoy but i did so much Mm -hmm. oh that sounds fun so it's on crave if you're in canada okay something else i feel like we should also note is like michaela cole winning that emmy Oh, I know. Congrats so to fantastic. her. I know. We we spent a whole episode was... on that show. So, I, I know. you know, shout out. The Michael. whole thing is, is just so bizarre. Like, working with Amel, who played Simon, and, like, mm. knowing him so well. And, like, like me, I'm a, I want to go back and rewatch I May Destroy You, but I'm going to watch it back um, knowing just – you know, I've talked to him about his process on the show mm-hmm. and like what yeah. his perspective was on the character and, yeah. and the storyline and whatever. And watching it back was sort of like an insider's view. Yeah. And then also like seeing how the show is received or not received yeah. um, and everything that Michaela Cole went through to create the show. Yeah. It just has a whole new meaning. And I was thinking about it the other day. Like I really... I kind of hope that it's one and done. I think so. She's it's it's European. They they do TV different than America. Yeah, I but I think I it's like it's perfect. It's like it, yeah, it was a complete story. It was that it and it was like that's I know I've said this on the show before, but that's one of my biggest things with American content, North American content, is they drag things out way too long. Like mm-hmm. Europeans, particularly in in the UK, they know how to write a story and cap it when it needs to be capped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just it's great. It's fantastic. So. I love that show and her speech literally like gave me goosebumps and almost brought me to tears. Like, I know it, it has me like every day about to delete my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And shave my head. And shave my head. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a big, it's such a big moment for, you know, black women and for any person who's survived sexual assault, it opens up the door for so many conversations about how we receive it as a culture. And it just, it's such a big it represents something for the moment right now. And I'm just so grateful for her for being so vulnerable to create something like that, you know? Yeah. Thank you, Michaela Cole. Thank you, Michaela. Um, well, on that note, um, you want to introduce our lovely guest, Muna? We are so lucky to have with us today, Kazim Katuye, who is a cultural curator, producer, DJ, and photographer at the helm of New Currency, a global youth culture platform dedicated to the exchange of ideas. Through this platform, he has interviewed emerging and established creatives in Toronto and around the world, engaged the community both locally and abroad through events such as club nights, panel talks, exhibitions, and even a pop-up library. He has the uncanny ability to move through different worlds, whether it be fashion, design, architecture, and music, making all these elements connect and live through his work. Um, yeah, it's very exciting because Kazim is definitely someone I've always wanted to sit down and talk to. So I'm very excited to hear what he has to say about his process and how he's been able to do so many different things and build such a strong brand um, with New Currency. So let's get into that conversation. <laughs> So 
So hello, everyone. We are so excited. Um, we have a really special guest today. With us, we have Kazim Katouye, and he is a cultural curator, a producer, a DJ photographer, also the co-founder of New Currency. You do so many things, Kazim. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So, Kazim, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about how New Currency came to be, but also about the name. I'm very curious. I feel like it has something to do with what the platform represents. So I'd love to hear about the story behind naming it and also how it came to life. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll talk about the name first. So um, essentially, I like uh, we had all this content that we've sort of um, gotten from like interviewing people in Paris and London. And like we just sat on it for like a whole year. And I remember I was in um Lagos, um, Nigeria, and I was spending two months there and I was reading like a blog by this photographer. His name is James Ellis. Um, he's in Toronto. And on the blog, I think he was talking about how like, you know, he went, he tried to get into this club and immediately he showed his his camera. The guy was like, the guy let him in. I was like, oh, like, you're going to take pictures in here, in here anyways. Like, let me, t- you could take pictures, you could come inside. And that's when it clocked to me where it was just like, oh, wow, like, wow, like ideas really is a new currency, like creativity is a new currency, your creative practices, your new currency, that sort of like exchange, you're not necessarily exchanging money, you're exchanging kind of ideas and, and what you have to offer on the table. So that's kind of like what sort of spurred the name. And I think over the past couple of years, it sort of evolves into this thing where it's like, um, exchanging ideas. How does that kind of like live across all mediums and all kind of facets? So whether like we're doing a club night, how do I bring like a different DJ from a different collective or a different community subculture and bring them together and have them DJ together? And then you're sort of like something interesting happens there. Or, you know, recently we did this um, ex, um, pop-up in Toronto called um, Trading Floor, where we had this whole space where people could just come and hang out and chill and all these artists from different walks of life are coming together to exchange of ideas to exchange ideas. So really it's just kind of like questioning like, is yeah. money really the currency? Yeah. No, I love that. You know? <laughs> so um it's a it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a constant like question we're answering through dif- these different mediums that we work with in. And you know, going into the story of new currency, it kind of started off this, you know, like when I like finished school, like nobody wanted to give me an internship. And I was just like begging creative directors, like give me an internship, blah, blah, blah. And like nobody, so I was like, nah, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And like me and my friends were just like, oh, let's go to Paris and like interview people around culture and creativity. And we just booked a flight and we went, you know, and it was kind of like off of this gut feeling that, you know, let's try and do something ourselves and kind of like grow it to whatever we want it to be. So that's kind of like how it um, started, yeah. I love that. I think it's important because, you know, so many people see, you know, they see you now or they see like creatives at a point where a lot of the fruits of their labor have, you know, come to fruition. And a lot of, you know, very innovative creators, when you ask them about their story, a lot of it starts with being like, okay, well, either I didn't get opportunity, so I created it myself or the thing that I wanted didn't exist. So I created it myself, you know, so I think it's a very, it's a really good mentality to have, especially in the creative space, because that's really how we innovate. And in Toronto, there's not a lot of that. You know, people are always looking for cosigns and looking for somebody to validate them. But that's what I love about what you do is that it feels like you really took initiative to create what you didn't see. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 There's actually a really great quote that I always remind myself of. Um, It's something Oprah said about if you can't find a community, create one. And it seems like new currency is the definition of that mm-hmm. yeah i think i think i think what's interesting about new currency currently and i think like just based on like me being like in europe for the past few few i guess i've only been here for like a week and a half i think it's just kind of this global community that we've really created that is really have that share the same values and ethos and and we're archiving it in real time, whether it's obviously through social media or like the magazine and having it being the physical artifact that rep, that kind of like reflects all of it. Cause you know, like I was hanging out at like 180 The Strand here in London. Well, I'm in Berlin now, but in London and um, everybody who's coming into the space knows about new currency. It's amazing. And a lot of people, a lot of people um, that are in that space are in new currency or have kind of proximity to new currency. 
and we have communities like in Paris and Hong Kong and like um, in the States and Canada. And it's kind of like all sort of like linking all these things through Instagram and kind of like manifesting it in real life. So there's a bit of this kind of like using um, social media and the internet as a tool to sort of like connect things and have it manifest in real life. That's why like, I think in real life, um, experiences and objects really mean a lot to new currency mm -hmm. because I think it kind of like takes things further. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I want to backtrack a little bit with what you said to talk about the magazine. Um, you know, you guys put out your first issue this year and I know you played, a, you played many roles in making that come to life. So my question is, you know, what was the reason that you decided to have this iteration of New Currency exist? And what was that process like for you as a creative to dive into to creating this project? Right. I think it's funny. I, I actually forgot to say, like, originally New Currency was supposed to come out as a magazine a few years ago to start, actually. Okay. But when we came back from our trip, we realized we didn't know how to make a magazine. So we actually put the content out, content out digitally. So... um Fast forward four years, five years later, we're in a lockdown and we're just like, okay, I think it's time to actually make this project come to life. So that's kind of like why we wanted to do it. It's like, I've always been obsessed with print and um, I've always believed in this idea of, you know, on the internet, you can sort of archive all these things, but I think the URL can break anytime. So when the URL is gone, like what is left? You know, while the magazine kind of represents these this kind of physical um, archive of like what's going on in real time. But I also think that um, how can we because 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 I think like um, digital, like sometimes I feel like digital is very, very cheap. And I think like because new currency exists in a print format, I think it's a lot, taken a lot more seriously, actually. Mm. Um, so it's kind of our start to like, OK, like. You know, if we put this in, a, if we put like all these emerging creatives and talents and voices in the magazine, I think people would take it more seriously and we could sort of act as an institution to sort of like, you know, be a support system and platform for emerging voices in, in global culture and global creativity and in Toronto. So that's kind of like our thinking behind of like why we really wanted to put out um, a magazine. Yeah. And I think it's great too, because, you know, in line with what you said about you know, institutions, there's a kind of a lack of them, especially in Toronto. And it's amazing to have something that, you know, archives all of the different creatives that have the same ethos, not just in Toronto, but around the world, because that's, you know, there's so many things that can show us the culture in London, shows culture in Berlin and, you know, New York, LA, all these different places. And then adding Toronto to the mix, I think just gives it another dimension that doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you think about like ID and like days and how like they've documented like London culture and how like a lot of designers have sort of like been broken through these systems because they have a they have a platform to sort of showcase their work and in Toronto nothing kind of like exists on that like aesthetic level I mean actually I can't say that say that because like Bully Magazine exists and you know Tone Study exists and but I think all of us collectively are sort of like doing this work. Yeah. But I think for New Currency specifically, how does something sort of like exist for Toronto, mm -hmm. but also kind of like speak to this fact that like, hey, we're so globally connected. How can we sort of like tap everything in? Yeah. Yeah. Fast. So that's kind of like where we exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking about yeah. global connections, I am really curious about something that you said in a previous interview about how the pandemic sort of forced you to shift from making real world connections and then translating that into, into digital art uh, to making digital connections and translating that into real world art. So I'm curious about how the, the difference in these new, new connections that you've been making since the start of the pandemic and the quality of those connections and how you see them progressing, not only within Toronto, but um, through your global network. Right. How I see sort of my di digital connections progressing. Yes. Um, because I, and I'm, I'm just and also wondering the difference of them between um the connections you were making real world before because of the pandemic has obviously forced us to move into the digital landscape right. and try to create community and bonds. So I'm curious about whether there's a different quality to those connections and how mm -hmm. you see them, um, you know, changing as 
the world changes um right with this pandemic that that's such an amazing question because i think like in the real world like a lot of the friends that like i've made globally has been sort of like whether it's in a club in london or like um at a dinner like somewhere like in like paris or whatever like it's but I sort of like bring that same energy in the digital connections that I've made over the pandemic, because I think over the pandemic, like in the lockdown, I made so many friends online, but it still feels the same because I think I'm going into these like relationships intentionally. I'm not sort of like going into it kind of like, oh, this is what could be whatever. Like, I think like all the, I make an effort to make sure I check in with everybody that I've met, made through Instagram. Like I have like weekly, like, FaceTime calls with my friend Corey in Atlanta, who I've never, ever met in real life. Um, or um, a FaceTime call with my friend in Liverpool. We just met for the first time in London like a week ago. And it just feels like we've been friends for life. But it's because I'm literally checking in on them like every day. So I think like, I think um, I don't necessarily, with my digital, with the connections I made digitally, like I don't necessarily go into them, go into these relationships thinking I'm going to gain something. I kind of go into them thinking that I actually really want to learn something from this person. And actually, I want to get to know this person. So um, it sort of like mimics real life in a way, because I'm not necessarily saying that, oh, I'm just going to like a photo and share your photo. And that's it. I kind of go beyond that and actually checking on them and checking on the well, well being. So it's like, so that when we actually link up in real life, it's actually um feels like we've been friends for real for 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 a lifetime do you feel like any of these connections are maybe even deeper because you've had so much time to to just connect and text and message 100 percent. like i met like my friend my friend eugene angelo like i met him for the first time in like last week in london but we've been friends for a year online and it's almost like we've known each other for a long time because we were actually we've been texting we text, we have a whole group chat that we like share projects and inspiration. Um, we, uh, we worked on a project for the magazine together. So it feels like we've known each other for a long time, but it's because we've literally been, so it's been such a very deep connection where it doesn't feel like, oh, like I just knew you in five minutes, you know? Wow. Yeah. So like, and honestly, like it's been like that for like all my, con all my digital connections. Like I met like for the, the other day, I met Ben Broom, who is behind Drawing a Blank. And it's like, oh, finally, nice to meet you. But we've actually been conversing like through Instagram DM for the past two years, you know? Wow. So um, I think it's all about like, I kind of like, I'm just very curious about people and I'm curious about humans in general that I just want to get to know them. So I don't necessarily go in there saying that, oh, I want you to like my photo. Like Ben doesn't even follow me on Instagram, <laughs> you know? And I really, I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. Like, I think it's just about like, that sort of like oh i'm a i'm a, I'm a genuine i'm a genuine fan of your work and i want to promote that work and i want people to know about that work so if i'm actually a genuine fan of your work you don't need to follow me on instagram i don't need to follow you on instagram it's all love like it doesn't like i've kind of like mentally sort of disconnected my idea that like you know me following you on instagram means like i'm friends with you it's more of like oh, what sort of like shared values do we have that we can sort of share with each other? Yeah, I like that. I'm kind of the same way. Um, there's a lot of people I follow who don't follow me back or people who used to follow me who unfollowed me for whatever reason. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not that interesting on Instagram. Who knows? But <laughs> right, right. I, I don't want, I, I personally don't want that to impact who I choose to follow. So if I'm genuinely right. interested in someone, I'm not going to, unfollow them just because they unfollowed me or whatever it's just like right. i want my experience to be solely based on what actually interests me and what i actually gravitate towards mm -hmm. so i totally get that i think yeah. too what you guys are both talking about it poses this really interesting dynamic that exists now where like social media allows us to connect in a certain way but i think it adds this other layer of you know validation that certain people seek on that platform when you get too caught up in it you know, like it can be something that's very useful to connect with people and social media allows us to connect with people all around the world. But at the same time, like it can make some connections less genuine if you're so fixated on that validation that you guys are both saying, like, you know, right. you don't necessarily need it. You can connect with people in a certain way and that can be what you gain. But I, I love how, you know, your approach to connecting with people, because a lot of times 
you'll talk to especially emerging creatives and they're like, how do you like build your network? How do you like know so many people? And it's exactly what you just said. It's just genuinely being interested in people and like yes. building authentic relationships before you even talk about collaborating. Like what if you exactly. want to work with someone and end up being a complete asshole? You don't yeah, know that if yeah. the only thing you're desiring is to gain something from it and not actually learn about them. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I love that approach that you have to just building your network and, and doing it authentically and organically. I think it's yeah. a really important note that people should pay attention to and do more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not for, yeah, it's not forcing things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's actually so funny because I feel like Kazim and I are very similar in that way where I'm, I feel like I'm so fluid in, in terms of like connecting with people through social media just for the sake of connecting and building relationships or whatever. I know this is a bit of a digression or whatever, but I'm so curious about Kazim's astrological sign. Oh, yeah, we didn't even ask you. <laughs> no, no, because I'm like, I'm like, oh, this person, this is how he sort of, this is how he thinks, this is how he connects, this is how he frames things. I want to understand where this is coming from. So do you mind giving us your... Um, your chart yeah i mean <laughs> do you know I, don't, I don't know my chart to be honest but i'm a taurus <gasps> me too yay <laughs> yay earth sign love ah. but, yeah, do you know I'm, you're I'm, like your moon and and rising I, I don't know my moon and rising i know somebody told me okay like we're gonna find rising. it out for you i can't remember we're gonna find it out for you um after this i'm gonna send it to you because you know all you right, should know it's right. very fun i don't know how into astrology you are but like it can be very fun you know it's, right it's a yeah, fun it's, way to it's very to yeah it's very very interesting i know like Somebody asked me and I texted my mom. I was like, what time was I born again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Tauruses are fun. We're great. We're very grounded and lovely and loyal. So, yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in in, in what this means and for how you you build community and... um, Right. And how you get, move forward with new currency? No, I think I think when it comes to the community building, I think I get a lot of that from my dad as well because my dad um, moved here when he was nineteen, um, and like he's been because like he was here first, like in his like Nigerian community in Nigeria, like he was very very like instrumental in like making sure like new immigrants who came into Canada was like good and like and he used to like DJ back in the day and like have parties and he was always that kind of like voting community guy like he would MC like every party and stuff like that so um I think I got a lot from that vibe from him for sure I think but I'm curious to know about the moon rising maybe there's a connection there <laughs> that's cool I also feel like you probably I know sorry you, you said something else but just to go back to the astrology thing I feel like you have a lot of like earth in your chart but we'll find right. out we're good i'm gonna send it to you later and then you're gonna right. you're gonna i feel like there must be some virgo in there yes yes i'm gonna go with that too i'm gonna go with that like too. a virgo <laughs> a virgo moon or something like that i don't know yeah i like that i like that but scorpios just so you know seem like scorpio is the taurus sister sign so moon is a scorpio um so meet scorpios generally speaking we tend to get along um <laughs> But, okay, so I want to jump back into some more questions about, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that you did uh, the Trading Floor Project, which I thought was so cool. Um, It was, I'm so sad I didn't get to come see it, but I was watching on social media all the things you guys were doing with that. And I think that was such a great way to kind of rebuild connection post-pandemic, well, not even post-pandemic, but once things were, you know, a bit more open. Um, so can you tell people a bit more about that project and, you know, why you thought it was important to do something like that? Yeah, like, you, honestly, like, I think, like, honestly, I've, I feel like I've had trading for idea for, like, the past four years. I think, like, because when I travel to, like, all these places and I see, like, all these spaces for, like, creativity happen, I was just like, why does this not happen in Toronto? And, like, one day I woke up, like, literally, I just forbid, like, this was the story. Like, I woke up one morning and I texted my friend Reza who's behind Sheep Studio. Um, he's an architect. And I was like, yo, imagine if we had this space to do this. And he's like, oh, like, um, I have um, a friend who runs this, who's a creative director of this space. Let's see what's good. And literally in the next two hours, he texted the guy and was like, Peter, he was like, yo, like I have these new currency guys they want to do this. And then he was like, oh, I'm going into a meeting to talk to the people, the owners of the building 
and we could talk about the programming. And literally within like three, four hours, it was kind of like, oh, this can actually potentially happen. Literally from like when I woke up at 9 a.m. that morning in January and then around like 1 p.m., it was just like, oh, we could potentially have this. And then going into it, like we spent like a good four weeks researching and like based on our research, we realized that right, we wanted to create like a non-transactional space where creatives can literally come and hang out, no strings attached and make work. And there's nothing that they're giving. You don't have to do a project to be in this space. You don't have to like pay for this space. Um, you don't have to sign up for a freaking link. You don't have to put together a deck or like put a proposal together. I wanted the space that I would want to go to when I was 15 years old, you know? Yeah. And then coming to this idea of like why we named it Trading Floor was like, we we were kind of creating a disruption in financial district where like all these banks are sort of like trading money. But like in this space, we're all trading ideas. You know, it was a six week program where, you know, a lot of art was shown and like all these artists that were doing like little small scale exhibitions in there. All they had to do was really kind of ask me, oh, what dates are available? And boom, it wasn't like put together an email or put together like a document or like um, a deck. Like, you know, like I think like the less barriers, I think the important for to really kind of like scale creativity in Toronto and really position it as like a global creative force within culture because I really do think Toronto is on that level but like there's just no space and platforms to really kind of like develop it compared to like um London or Paris Mm -hmm. yeah I think what I love about this project was just that what you said it was there's kind of no strings attached and that doesn't exist in Toronto and you know that brings me to, to my next question just I think what becomes very frustrating you know, for a lot of creatives, particularly in this city, is that there are so many barriers between ideas and actualizing ideas, you know, and especially with spaces, they don't, we don't right. have a lot in the city. And it's just, there's so many loopholes you have to jump through, so many people you have to go to to just make things happen. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear kind of what you think. Obviously, I kind of spoke to what I think we need more, but, you know, based on all the work that you do, what do you, what do you see that we need to do in Toronto to kind of create more space for people to do things like what you did and to, to be able to actualize all these ideas and all this and foster and all this talent that we have here? It's very interesting to me to see like people's projects being funded through GoFundMe. I find that very, very interesting. And I don't think that would necessarily happen like five years ago. So there is sort of this kind of like collectivism going on. And I really do think it needs to be that like I think like we need to collectively come together to sort of build something like I think in the black community in general like it just doesn't happen like I remember my my dad was telling me how like there's no reason why there's like six Nigerian doctors shouldn't come together and have a clinic like a whole building mm. it just doesn't happen right mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen yeah. and I think like there just needs to be a more collective effort I think between me and like all these people that I sort of hang out with that have access to resources and maybe connections and whatever, I think if we collectively come together to actually own a building, I think it's possible. But I think it just all sort of just, it's just all a panel talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think it just all happens on a panel talk. Yeah. You know, it's just bad panel talks talking about the same thing. While for me, I was just sort of like not interested in like going to panel talks, talking about spaces and actually trying to like figure out a way to sort of do it. And I think the thing with trading for it acts as a prototype and sort of kind of like a proof of concept for like what can happen if it was this kind of things were kind of permanent. And I think trading floor is actually coming back next year as for six months. Yay. Congrats. Yeah. I'm really, really excited, excited about that. But I think like what we need to do is like collectively come together and actually pull together our resources because um, we can't sort of necessarily singularly do it. And I think, if there's more an emphasis of actually building legacy and actually community mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of like um, our own sort of like individual ambitions, if there's a collective ambition, then it will happen. But if there's more of like we're individualistically looking for like what we're going to gain, then it's never going to happen. It's interesting that you say that because I was going to ask you about legacy because um, so much of how you posit yourself and the way that you work and create community sort of implies that you have a very strong idea of what you want your legacy to be. So I was going to ask you to sort of more specifically um, let us know how you see what you want to leave behind and what that is. Good question. Wow. Um, I think, honestly, it really gives me a lot of joy when somebody says that, oh, like I created this connection and then it kind of led 
to this happening for them. Like, I think that gives me a lot of joy in that, hey, that's not even fiat currency. Like, that's actually not money. But I actually get a lot of intrinsic joy from that. So I think, like, in terms of, like, you know, what I'd love to leave behind is, is like, I was known as that guy who sort of, like, you know, created opportunity, was 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 a platform, was a conduit to something larger in somebody's life. Like, my dad was that guy, or is that guy, actually, or was that... Sorry, my dad is alive, so I should I don't know what <laughs> senses to sort of like speak in. But I, my dad is retired and is sort of like chilling, so like he doesn't necessarily he's sort of like chilling on his own. But I think like I love like when people come up to my dad and is like, "Yo, you helped me write my invitation letter to come to Canada." Mm-hmm. Like, and that led to me having a better life for my kids, or like you helped me write my application for like the visa or help me get my citizenship in Canada. Like my dad was that kind of like force within the Nigerian community. How do I sort of like take elements of that and sort of like exist within like young, like for young people and like creativity and global culture in general. So I think that's like kind of like where, where I want, where I want to be. So it's very kind of like an ambition that's kind of like beyond me. Like I have my, obviously my own individual ambition, ambitions, my own personal ambitions, but in terms of like my ambition, like from more of a community standup standpoint, I definitely want to be that guy who's like a conduit to like people doing bigger things in their lives. Because I think, I believe that we can sort of like do whatever we want, you know, but it's sort of, you need that person or you need that element to sort of be the catalyst for it. And I think that's what like new currency wants to be for sure. Um, I think that it's it's really incredible that you're very intentional about doing things that are outside of yourself, you know, um, especially right. in in a in the creative city space where a lot of people it's very individualistic, <clears throat> kind of like what you were saying before, you know. So it's it's very admirable that a lot of your work is aspiring to help other people create connections right. that can again exist outside of you. You know, that's right. really how we build an infrastructure. And I know, obviously, a lot of your work is based outside of the city, too. And I kind of keep bringing it back to Toronto because I think, you know, there is a need that you're filling that doesn't exist in a certain way. And what we're lacking in the city in particular is a creative infrastructure. And this right. is kind of setting a foundation of what can what can exist. Like what you said with trading for, it's kind of like a, a proof of concept. You know what right. I mean? For exactly. what, what could what the possibilities are, you know? So it's it's a really, again, very admirable that that's a part of your desired legacy i love it yeah thanks rather than hoarding resources and you know having crab in a barrel mentality you want to democratize space and resources which is incredible thank you yeah so kind of on that note what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about creating their own platform or wanting to do something like what you're doing many of the things you do but what would you what advice would you give them that's a crazy question actually um (laughs) (laughs) I, i do think like um Wow, that's a really hard question. Because I, I think, like, I'm trying to, like, answer this question very intentionally because I think, like, a lot of, like, because I, I do, like, a lot of people say, just start, like, um, yeah. which is which is great, obviously. I think, um, I think the biggest thing is kind of use what you have. Hmm. I'm very, very big on that. And it took me a long, I think it took me a long time to sort of get to that frame of thinking. I say this so that people sort of, like, um, whoever's listening sort of just, like, don't waste that time <laughs> to get there. I think like it's all about necessarily the story you want to tell. The tools doesn't really matter. Is if the story is strong, then if you're using an iPhone to shoot a photo, then it's still gonna come across. You know, yeah. like um, so. I think definitely like use what you have and sort of like really, um, you know, get to sort of like know the people around you and sort of like use whatever resources that you have around it. Around it, and then I think the most important thing is kind of like putting it out. Um, putting out the works in progress as opposed to actually kind of just like, oh, it's not perfect. Because I love that tra- trading floor, like the, the the first iteration is actually not that was not what it's supposed to be. It's actually supposed to be like real plants, and I was supposed to build furniture, and it was supposed to be like all like all these kind of like architectural dreams that I had. But I was like, well, we don't have the budget for that, so I'm actually just gonna put it out um, with my friends and let it be and let people experience it, and then we're just gonna like edit it. So I really do believe in this idea of kind of like editing in in real time and editing publicly and allowing people to see the works in progress publicly as opposed to actually just like working in my room because I really like that idea of like feedback in real time feedback so I think yeah definitely like use what you have and like um show your works in progress in real time and I think honestly the most important thing is really just try to be a nice person like yes (laughs) and Honestly, like, is life is too short to be an asshole. Like, I think, like, 
people will actually really want to help you if you actually are vulnerable and you're a nice person. Like, just don't be an asshole, like, and really just be a nice person because it really costs nothing to be a nice person because like and to be honest like i i don't mean to toot my own horn but i i think like a lot of like opportunities and a lot of like connections i've made and a lot of like you know blessings that i've had is just like me just being a nice person like i do know i'm a nice person so like i i i, I don't think like you know being an asshole and just is um is just and i'm not hey i'm not perfect but i'm i do really acknowledge like my imperfections and I really try to like address it like right there and there you know whether it's through my personal relationships or like my friends or you know Mm -hmm. I try to so um I think being very kind of like aware that hey you might be lacking you know perspective in sort of like the way you move in certain areas in your life um or the way you treat a certain person might not be the best way I think acknowledging it right there and like wanting to improve is very, very important. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like the advice I would say. Um, I think practical advice, I think. That's really good advice. I love the like editing in progress, like showing that it's such a, I, I need to do that. I'm, I'm like the yeah. complete opposite. I'm like, it has to be perfect. <laughs> no, it must go out when it's perfect. Take it down. <laughs> I feel like that energy is actually giving me a water sign for his moon. Oh, we're still here. <laughs> sorry. I'm, like, I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. It's giving me like. Pisces moon. We're going to see. I kind of, there's going to be follow up on this because I want to see who's right with this. I, I like this, this part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, kindness is really its own thing. It's so funny because I work in film and whenever, especially as a director, when I'll like go to people or we'll be working the DOP and I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, this is my idea. And then I'll be like, okay, well, what do you guys think? And they'll look at me like surprised. Like, wait, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? What do mm-hmm. I think? Well, this is your job. Like, how can we collaborate? This isn't just because I'm directing this. It doesn't mean that this can't be collaborative. And it's like, people say, they're yeah. like, you know, you're, you're really nice. Like you're like, even as a director, you're doing, it's like, well, what else am I supposed to be? And it, it's, it's mm-hmm. wild that in industries, especially creative industries that are so inherently collaborative, that being kind right. is kind of like something that's a rarity. Yeah. Like it's wild to <laughs> yeah. me. Like it should be the yeah. opposite. You need other people to accomplish projects, especially large scale ones. Well, you there's know, so, so much ego involved and so yeah. much sensitivity around what we create that I think people, it's, it's, it's a space where people get easily triggered. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, insecurity. And so people get their backs up against the wall and they get defensive and it turns people into fucking monsters. It really does. And, right. You know, obviously I work in the industry as well and you see it all the time where people will, you know, they will die on a, on a hill. Yeah. Facts. Behind <laughs> something that like, you know, it, it, it's a simple fix. If you just, you know, what is it like four eyes are better than two. Mm hmm. Four ears mm-hmm. are better than two. Like yeah. we have um, community and other people for a reason. We have to trust each department and each person to play their role. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes mm-hmm. true confidence to be able to do that. So um, I admire that in you, Keisha, and I admire that in you, Kazim. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so um, before we get into our would you rather questions, I just wanted to give you the opportunity, Kazim, to. Uh, let our audience know where people can find you and find your work. And uh, if you want to just give us everything so that we can, <laughs> you can let the people them know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically like my, like, I guess you could find my, my, my feed, like uh, Kazim Kutei, um, K-A-Z-W-E-M-K-U-T-E-Y-I on Instagram. And I'll sort of like share everything on there and then new currency on Instagram, um, new currency, like N E W C U R R E N C Y on, on Instagram. And then we're, we're building, um, a new website, newcurrency.ca. So that's coming soon. And then one project we're also working on is, um, we're doing a whole, um, recap of trading floor so trading exchange is going to have like a whole kind of like recap you're going to see our research um and then everything that happened in the space is going to go on that website so that's coming very soon and then um 
Right now, we're working on issue two, and I think that should be out in February or March. So that's coming out very, very soon. Um, and um, I actually want to ask y'all a question, actually, that you mm-hmm. asked me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious to know kind of, um, kind of like where you see... I guess creativity going right now in this whole very digital world. We were having these discussions like a few days ago in London and like I'm very, very in real life. I love in real life. But then my friends were just like, well, the digital world does propose kind of this idea of an option where it's like, okay, like something like virtual re- reality, like imagine if I could go speak to my grandmother in Nigeria via like a headset. Like, mm-hmm. do you guys like really prefer like in real life kind of like where like creativity should go? Or do, really, do you guys really like this idea of this new kind of like digital thing? Everything's becoming digital. Mm. I, I don't think it's like the things are mutually exclusive. I don't think I have to choose one or another. I think mm-hmm. I can choose when I, when I want to engage in this digital world. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'm very much like you. I'm a real world type of person. So if I want to have a conversation, like a meaningful conversation, I will just pull up to your house. I'd rather not text and I'd rather not talk on the phone or FaceTime. For me, having something be and feel as real as possible when I'm communicating or expressing myself is super important. Um, that that being said, with this pandemic and with everything that has gone on as a result, obviously that's not entirely possible with people trying to be mindful of their health and their safety in space. And so, you know, if doing like a virtual reality conversation with my grandmother was a possibility, I mean, she's passed, but um, if I could do that and keep her safe, 100% I would. And in terms of work, if there are aspects of my job that I could do during the pandemic that way for like reasons of safety or whatever, then yes, 100% I would do it. But I think that like, I think that the pandemic and like the way in which the world is right now is polarizing. I think it's making like these real world interactions so much more meaningful and critical, but then at the same time, it's making the digital world connections so much more potent and meaningful in just like very different ways. And I think that like we're swinging constantly between, or we have the option to swing between um, both extremes. Mm. And so for me, it's sort of like picking and choosing which one is meaningful and and, um, reflective of what I want at the time. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is trying to foster what's available. And I think what I've loved about the pandemic is that people have been forced to be very innovative Mm -hmm. in how we build connection. You know, like, I think there's a lot of room for digital creativity, but there is nothing that can replace in-person exchanges. And especially coming from, you know, a lot of my creative background started with doing events and the things that you're able to do when people are together in one space, it's just, it can't be replicated, even digitally, you know? So I think for me, it's about finding that innovation within those two kind of exactly what Muna said, those two extremes where you can use the digital world, digital creativity, and then bring that into an in-person experience or vice versa, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Because a lot of people have, we've seen so many really great, projects emerge from the pandemic but then it's also kind of created this new need for in-person interactions Mm. so how can we blend these two things how can we learn from this moment where we were forced to just be isolated in our homes with whoever was around us how can we learn from that and now bring it into this new era where we have this experience of of this kind of really weird uh dynamic between human connection and now bring that into this new moment where we know what that was like what do we need as a culture now? And then how can we merge those things together? Right. Um, so it's kind of a mix for me. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it's it, as creatives and as people who curate moments and experiences and events, it's our job to be innovative with what we, with the knowledge we just learned right. and then creating things that the community needs now. You right, know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. It's a lot about knowing what, we need mm-hmm. right now yeah. you know and i think that the 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 renaissance that we're experiencing creatively um it's it's interesting to kind of see even when you're looking at you know how does tiff tiff look now mm. you know how they had things that were part digital part in person how do fashion shows how does fashion week look now you know like what are the ways that we can we can be innovative i think that's what this calls for to me right you know? right okay mm-hmm. you have me thinking great question though really great question (laughs) um so let's get into so all of our guests that come on our podcast do would you rather questions so we have some for you um 
you know how to play the game, I assume, yeah? You just have to pick one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so I'm going to go first, and then Muna can pick the second question. Okay, would you rather become the world's best at all skills of your own choosing or have the ability to speak every language in the world? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> This is a tough one. Have all the skills. <laughs> have have all the have be the best at one skill of your choosing, or oh. know all the languages. Okay, be the best at one skill. Yeah. Be the best at one skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What would the, what would the skill be? Ooh, um, that's a really tough one. Um, I think writing. Ooh. Okay. I think writing. I think like being the best communicator. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luna, what would you pick? Oh, the same thing. Being the best at one skill. Yeah. Yeah. I pick language. I think that'd be sick. Cause speak every language. <laughs> Yo, you could pull up anywhere and just be able to. And then imagine I all know. the places like you go, and then people don't know that you know the language, bro. Lit. <laughs> I get it, but I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk to people that much. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather? have fantastic wealth like bill gates or jeff bezos and be a billionaire or get the answers to three things you've always wanted to know wow no i think the fantastic wealth for sure because i think like i can sort of like maybe buy the answers i really want to know but also (laughs) um but also i think i think i can help a lot of people while i think the answer part is very individual i see like I feel, I feel like the fantastic health, the fantastic wealth one. I can really like help a lot of communities and help a lot of people, while the mm-hmm. the 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 answer one is more of very like, yeah, okay, only Kazim will know like this. Like it can't extend to other people, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, <laughs> I do see the disadvantage of like having a lot of wealth though. Yeah, I feel like one of I would pick the questions because one of my questions would be how do I get super rich. <laughs> and then and then i could also know if there's like an afterlife you know i could find out right, those two right, things right. and then i have one more question you know and i could think about it right. what would i want to know like or i could find out if there's really aliens and where they are that'd be lit to know that right right what would you pick Luna? i would definitely pick the question one because i would i would find out the cure to cancer and then create a cure for cancer, but like monetize it so that the super wealthy have to pay for it. I give it to the poor people for free or something like that. I or, I don't know. I don't know. But I would I would do something. I think I would I would probably get answers to questions that would help humanity, and then mm. find a way to maybe monetize it slightly so that I could have some wealth, but mm-hmm. not from. Not from the people who need it most, probably from the people who have the most money. Right. That's a good way to look at it. Because honestly, like being being a billionaire, like I feel like if you're a billionaire, you probably hurt a lot of people. Probably a hundred. You can only be a billionaire. Yeah. By by at the expense of a lot of people. But if you just if you just inherit the if you just inherit the money, like you don't build a company, like I say, like someone just was like, yo, here's a billion dollars, there's not as many people that you're harming in the process of getting that money because like some Mm -hmm. magical force is just gonna give you the money, right? So it's kind of a loophole if the question was to come to fruition. You see what I'm saying? My turn. Um okay. All right, I'm trying to pick which one I want to use here. Um, okay. Would you rather Never listen to music again or never watch TV and movies again? Wow, that's easy. Never watch TV and movies again. I know, that would be harder. What would you think, <laughs> Luna? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm an actor. I would not I would choose not to listen to music because I could listen to music, music. in movies. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. There's a loophole. You can find movies with lit soundtracks and just like put them I on know. pause. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and just rewind over and over again. <laughs> What about you, Keisha? Uh, no, I picked the same thing. I'm, I'm a, as a director, I feel like I can't. But like music is just to me, it's very hard because music always, often inspires me as a director visually. I like when I can listen to something and then I see something. Like that's a very important part of my process. So it would be a very hard thing to take out of my creativity, um, my creative inspirations. But if I had to choose, like, and I love TV shows, I couldn't not watch Harry Potter. What would I do? Okay, Muna, your turn. We'll do one more. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question that I, not the question I want, but the question that I think you want. Um, would you rather be an infamous villain or an unknown superhero? Jeez. 
unknown superhero. Unknown superhero for sure. Okay. What would you yeah. pick, Mona? Oh, I want to be an infamous villain. <laughs> no, I, I want to be a bad bitch. I want everybody to know it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. I have, I have one more question I want to ask. Okay. But you didn't answer that one. Oh, no. I, I would rather be an unknown superhero. Well, I'm completely I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> and you know, you, the people who know know, you know? They know what you did. Um okay, this is the last question. Would you rather have the ability to see 10 years into your own future or 6 months into the future of the world? Oh my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> 6 months into the future of the world with the way the world is going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I knew a pandemic was coming, I would have like packed my things. <laughs> where, where would you have gone? Yeah. I think I would have gone to like Nigeria and just like hang out at my grandmother's house mm. and just like hang out with her on the farm and just oh, chill <laughs> and not be like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you'd pick six want... months of the world? Mm hmm. Okay. Luna? Yeah. I mean, 10 years is very tempting, but I don't think I would. If there was something bad in 10 years, I wouldn't want to know. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I yeah. would want 10 years into my own future. Yeah, why? <laughs> because the world's trash. It's always going to be trash. Mm, I, 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 I want to be able to know, like, see into my future and be like, okay, what did I do about it? Or what should I do about it? So I can mm. create my own little piece of peace. Oh. Right. I think uh, it's weird because I originally was going to say 10 years into my own future, but then thinking about knowing my life for 10, like 10 years of my life, I know what's going to happen. I feel like it'd be like boring or I'd be really anxious all the time. You know, like if I know what's going to happen, like at least six months into the world, I could maybe like use my knowledge to help someone be like, hey, like this is what's going to happen. And it doesn't like give me too much of my own life. You know what I mean? Like 10 years is a mm -hmm, long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um Anyways, well, that wraps up our Would You Rathers and this lovely episode. Kazim, thank you so much for coming on the show with us and chatting. No, this thank you for lovely, having me, honestly. Really lovely. lovely. Yeah, we, I learned so much. I love it. I love like <laughs> hearing about your process you. and all your intentions and, you know, congrats on everything you're doing. Um, I can't wait to continue to just follow all the stuff that New Currency has going on and, you know, support in any way that we can. So thank you for all the work you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, that was truly a creative conversation. Um, we just want to thank Kazim again for sitting down with us. It was so wonderful to to hear him about his about his process and about how he works. Um, yeah. yeah. So thank you, so Kazim. That was so nice. It's just really inspiring to hear people who are genuine in this industry. It's like what we were just saying with him, you know, like you don't come across people that are, are genuine and kind and do so many great things. So thank you, Kazim. Yay. Woohoo. Um, so announcements. You got any? Absolutely not. Okay. I do. I got some. So, um, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, um, my film that we talked about at the top, if you guys want to watch it or get tickets for the festival, you can head to gray area movie.com. Wait, let me double check if it's not com or dot ca. Um, yeah, gray area movie.com and all the updates about that will be on the website. Um, like I said, this month we'll be playing at real world and Cinefam, so you can get passes to Cinefam and get tickets to real world to watch the movie. Um, collective culture related announcements this month we have an article by Tasha brown that is going to be a part of never parts magazine so yeah great well um thank you all for listening and being so dedicated um we truly appreciate your fellowship so <laughs> yeah um everyone have a wonderful october and we'll see you guys in a month scorpio season boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Collective Culture Creative Conversations, the podcast, is made possible by Never Apart and Collective Culture. This podcast is produced and researched by Keisha Chung, Muna Traore, and Anna Okoto. It is edited by Anna Okoto. The music you're hearing was made by the lovely Villa Beats. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to the show. We appreciate you and your support, and we can't wait to bring you back more episodes. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month. <laughs>